The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. All right, well, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Wow, you look so good. Look, look around you. Isn't it good? Just look at your neighbor right now and tell him, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Go ahead and tell him right now. Well, we're glad you guys are here. Hey, welcome to Story City Church this morning. You know, we counted a real honor that you spent a little bit of time with us on a Sunday morning. We just started a series last weekend. We called You Ask For. It's not the first time we've hosted this series. We love to, to host this series because we get to hear the questions that you're asking. And it's so good to hear the heart of, of, and struggle and, and joys and some of the things that you're, you're wondering about. And I just want to say, as we journey into the second week of this series, some of the questions that some of you guys have asked, we have answered in our Discover Story City class. And so if you've missed the first two of those this year, we'll be hosting another one this fall. I want to encourage you to engage in the Discover Story City class, and it will answer a lot of the questions that some of you guys are asking. So uh, if you have a Bible, if you brought it with you this morning. We're going to be in the book of Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 is our context this morning for the question that we're going to answer. And if you don't mind, I want to pray for us in our time together. Let's pray together. Lord, God, thank you for the privilege and the ability to gather this morning with believers and God, even many in this auditorium who've never placed their faith in you. God, we all come together this morning and we need the spirit of the living God to speak to us, Lord. God, we need you. We don't need just another Sunday morning. We don't need another pep talk. We don't need another spiritual exercise. God, we need the spirit of the living God to speak and speak deeply. So God, this morning, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us hands and feet to walk in the direction that you're going to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody in the Colony Theater said amen and amen. Well, the question this morning that came from one of you, I don't know who it is this morning. Last week I knew who it was because they put their name on it. But the question this morning is going to be on the screen, and here it is. The question says, I want God to mold me, but my heart is hard. What can I do? To change. I think this is such a good question this morning. I think it's so good because I think this is something that many of you in this room are asking or probably experiencing. I think it's so interesting. A lot of times, a lot of weeks when I'm preparing to preach, I'm experiencing the thing that I'm preaching about. I've experienced this this week. Why is it? Why does it seem so hard to follow you? Have you ever asked this question before? Thank you. The, the better yet, the question is, when was the last time you ask this question, right? Maybe you're asking this morning, God, why is it so hard to follow you? God, God, why is it that I struggle so frequently with the same sins and the same habits and the same patterns? Why is it so hard to love God more? Why is it so hard to pray more. Pastor, following God, I just find, is so hard. I, I think God has a plan for me, but oftentimes I'm afraid he doesn't. I, it's so hard to follow God when I'm trying to trust that he's, got, he's up to something good in my life, even though until now, life just hasn't appeared to be that way. Life has been terrible up until now. Pastor Matt, following God is hard when I'm trying to follow God, but my feelings... Feelings, they just speak so much louder. Pastor Matt, following God is hard because right now I'm trying to imagine a time when I won't, 
or my kids won't, or my family won't, or my spouse won't experience hurt as much as I do now. So pastor, how do I follow God? How do I follow God when I can't put away this, this crushing sense of my own inadequacies, my own apprehensions about the world? How do I follow God when I'm married to an apathetic, maybe even unbelieving spouse? How do I follow God when, pastor, I'm just so discouraged so frequently. I'm constantly disappointed. I'm always dis- depressed. Pastor, how do I follow God when I've struggled my whole life to get my act together with God? Have you ever asked some of these questions? You ever been in some of these places before? Maybe this morning you just feel like a real life Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Maybe this morning you just feel like I'm good by day, I'm, I'm bad by night, but ultimately I'm realizing, I'm coming to this place where I'm realizing I'm just, I'm this incompatible compound of completely opposite people at times. On one hand, I want to do good, I want to follow God. On the other hand, I'm apathetic. Maybe you could even describe me at times as evil and wanting nothing to do with God. Can anybody relate this morning? Has anybody ever been in that place? There's a part of you that wants to do good. You want to do the right thing. There's another part of you that wants nothing to do with God at all. Can I dispel a lie this morning right up front? I want to encourage you, church, to not believe the lie. Do not believe the lie that always struggling to obey God is a worse place in life than disobeying him with peace. Can I tell you that this morning? Don't believe that lie. And so in Romans chapter seven this morning, we have the author Paul. Paul is gonna give us a glimpse of his own struggle here in Romans chapter seven. And if you're finding it hard to follow God today for whatever reason, and maybe I didn't even mention your reason, but if you're finding it hard to follow God, maybe this morning you even have a hard heart, I think you're gonna find some encouragement from the word of God today. Romans chapter seven, we're gonna start in verse 14. This is the author Paul, and this is what he says in verse 14. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. (laughs) And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer myself who does it, but it's sin that's living in me. I think this section of scripture should be titled, Why We Can't Get Our Act Together with God. Paul says, the good stuff I want to do, I find myself unable to do it. The bad stuff I know not to do, I'm all about that life. And Paul's speaking here. Don't confuse what's going on. Paul's speaking here as a saved man. He's not speaking about his life before Christ. He's speaking about his life post-meeting Jesus. He's speaking as a redeemed man, but listen to what he's saying. There's still sinful desires in his body. You, you may not remember this date, but you remember what happened on this date. May 2nd, 2011. You may not remember what you were doing, but you remember this moment. If you happen to be watching TV at 10 o'clock on May 2nd at 2011, if you're on the East Coast, seven o'clock on the West Coast, and you got this message a few minutes before 10, President Obama has an urgent message, and he's going to interrupt your regularly scheduled programming. 
At 10 p.m. that night, President Obama came on all of our cable TV channels. I don't know what we would do today. Maybe we just get the news through Twitter. But he came on our, and he interrupted our regularly scheduled programming on our cable news channels at 10 p.m. And President Obama victoriously announced that America had killed Osama bin Laden. If you remember the story, we're in this battle with terrorism. The face of terrorism is this man, Osama bin Laden. And so President Obama comes on TV, victoriously announces America has put to death the face of terrorism. I don't know if you remember. I remember watching TV that night. You could see it on President Obama's face. You could feel it as he made the announcement, this sort of sense of relief that America had killed Osama bin Laden. We had tilted the war against terrorism. But listen, the reality is and was Even though we had put to death the face of terrorism, terrorists still remained and still remain in Pakistan. Terrorism still remained. And that's how Paul is about to describe sin here. It's it's how he's about to describe why it's so difficult to follow God. Listen to what verse 18 says here in Romans 7. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who does it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Verse 21, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me, remember. This is Paul speaking as a saved man, as a redeemed man. For in my inner being, verse 22, I delight in God's law. That's how we know he's a saved man. Verse 23, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin that's at work within me. And then listen to how he ends verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Paul's saying, now that I'm a Christian, there's these two natures that exist within me. On the one hand, there's this new, real nature that's been saved by Christ, that's been redeemed. This is this new nature that wants to please God and to do what is right. But on the other hand, There's this old nature. There's this sin nature. There's this old man. This is the person who doesn't ever want to do what's right. He doesn't want to please God. He only wants to please himself. It's sort of like a USC fan and a UCLA fan sitting next to each other at a game. They cheer at separate times. They don't even want to acknowledge the existence of each other. Paul says, I do things I know that are bad. And I avoid doing things that I know are good. And his desperation, Paul's desperation comes to this climax in verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul is caught. He's trapped. 
It feels like I, I, I feel like I just can't move on. I've tried every tip and trick. I've tried every pointer that, that modern Christianity tells me. I've tried to pull myself up by the bootstraps and just get it done, but my bootstraps have tangled around my neck and now they're choking me to death. Can you identify with Paul's desperation here? Paul's desperation to follow God intimately. As it turns out this morning, Jesus is looking for people who can't get their act together, who just can't pull it together. And this is the type of desperate self-despair that Jesus listens for. Let me be clear here, and I want you to write something down. Christians have a constant civil war raging inside of us. If you're wrestling this morning, you're, you're desperate this morning. You're like, why can't I get my act together? The reality from Romans chapter seven is that we have this constant civil war raging inside of us. This is the clear teaching of Romans chapter seven. Paul also talks about it in Galatians chapter five. In fact, he sums up all of Romans seven in one verse in Galatians chapter five, verse 17. Listen to this verse. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in contrary with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. Paul goes on in Colossians chapter three and he describes these competing enemies again in verse nine. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Paul is teaching us we have two selves but one of them is like, is like a dead Snakeskin. One of these cells doesn't belong on the saved and redeemed humanity. Some of you are genuinely struggling this morning. Some of you are honestly and earnestly struggling to love God. And some of your struggle this morning may be that you just haven't come to this understanding that when you became a Christian, the old self does not go away. And in some ways, by the way, in some ways, it never really loses its strength. Some Christians say, well, but, but I'm saved. Christ has changed me. He's, he's transformed me. I should have this straight line to Jesus. I should have this straight line in my progression, in my walk with God. The reality tells us this morning, you have a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation. And when we give this life, we give life to this old nature, the reality is the old nature is trying to ruin us. He's always trying to overtake you. The reality is the old nature is a very vengeful predator, and he always will be. And for some of you that are struggling to follow God today, the old nature coming back to life in you has caused you to doubt so much of your faith, even the truths about who God is. The first thought I wanted to give to you this morning is that there's this constant civil war raging in all of us, but can I just give you another thought? The second thought is this, but we're fighting a battle we cannot lose. We're fighting a battle that we cannot lose. Now listen to verse 25, what Paul says. He's come to this desperation in verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me? Listen to verse 25. 
But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God. Can't you, can't you just picture this? To me, when I read verse 25, it almost sounds like a drowning man being pulled up out of the water. Is this a description of you this morning? Is this a description of where you are in your walk with Jesus? Is this a description of you this morning, how you wake up every single morning, dazed, confused, you're already strapped with sin and guilt? I told you last week that my mom used to cut my hair, she used to comb my hair, and until a certain age, we still do it with our kids too, my mom used to lay out a new set of clothes for me every day before I would go to school. She would lay out a new set of clothes, I would take off the old set of clothes, and I would put them in the dirty laundry hamper, and I would put on this new set of clothes that my mom laid out for me every single day. I never wore the same set of clothes two days in a row. It was always a new outfit. She always put out a new set of clothes for me every single day. God has laid out for you a new set of clothes each day. It's full of new mercies. Now, if you're in Romans 7, I want you to flip over to Romans chapter 8, and I want you to see this new set of clothes that God's laid out for you today. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, listen to this, after Paul's desperation in Romans 7.24, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Some of you need to hear that this morning. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, listen to what it says this morning, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And he condemns sin in the flesh. Pastor Matt, how do we get out of the mess that we're in? The simple answer is, well, we can't. But God does something that we cannot do. Listen to me, church. There's a Romans chapter 7 storm that's blowing in our lives every single day. But the truth of Romans chapter 8 leaves us safe and sound. I, uh, we used to have these snow globes in our house. Apparently we broke all of them. So the only one we have left is this uh, homemade one. And, uh, but this homemade one was actually made in my daughter's uh, second grade teacher's class who's here today. Thank you. We love you, Miss Pansini. You're the best teacher we've ever had. It's awesome. And so she made this snow globe. And uh, you, know, you know the snow globes, how they work. You shake them up and everything is great. But then when you shake them up, you have this storm. And this water is kind of murky, but you can't even see anything. It's just like a crazy snowstorm. And then eventually, eventually everything just sort of settles down. You shake it up and the storm happens. And then eventually everything settles down. Can I say to you this morning, church, God's spiritual ecosystem God's spiritual ecosystem is like a storm that's, that's stirring around in a snow globe. But God has all of these little storms under 
control. And I want to say to you this morning, God is doing something beautiful in and through each and every one of us in the storms of our struggle. And I want to say to you, this is good news for us this morning, for all of us who just can't seem to get our act together. This is good news this morning because we are the kind of people that God is looking for and he loves to use and he loves to work in our lives. The reality is that all of us naturally drift into Romans chapter seven every single day. And sometimes as a Christian, we come to this point and we struggle with these same things over and over again. And we fall back into these patterns and these sins and these habits. And we start to say things like, see, nothing has changed and you feel like you're in a battle that you cannot win. But that's not true. That's untrue. You're now in a battle you cannot lose because the ultimate outcome is already determined. But sometimes, listen to me, God's gonna allow you to struggle. But even in your struggle, even in your struggle, you should find yourself saying things like, you know what, this sin, this habit, it just doesn't taste like it used to. It just doesn't feel like it used to. It's not as good as it used to be. The reason is it doesn't satisfy me the way it used to. The reason it's no longer satisfying to your real self is because scripture says your innermost being delights in the law of God. Because this is a battle that you cannot lose. Can I say to you this morning? You can be confident. Even in the most discouraging seasons of life. 1941 was an extremely dark time and a difficult time for England. You know that time in the 20th century is when the world found itself at war with ourselves, particularly a difficult time for England, thinking they would not survive, they would be overtaken by the Nazis. The war was not going well. But when Winston Churchill found out and he heard about the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, he walked into his office, he called President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and he heard our president say, well, we're all in the same boat now. Churchill later wrote in his memoir, no American will think it wrong of me to proclaim that hearing the U.S. was on our side was the greatest joy to me. England would live, Britain would live, the rest of the war was simply proper application of overwhelming force. He said, I went to bed that night and I slept the sleep of the saved and the thankful. You know, Churchill's attitude changed from helplessness to hopefulness. Why? Because of overwhelming force. Because of his relationship with the U.S. That means this morning, church, that even on your darkest days, there's encouragement. Why? Because even though it looks like your old self is taking over, the defeat is in God's hands. We're fighting a battle we cannot lose. Does this sound like some of you? Does this, does this sound like some? Is this a description of you? Because this is a description of me many, many days. God, why, why do I get so frustrated as a parent that I just want to give up? 
And God, why is it that I want to give up on people so easily when they disappoint me? Does this sound like you? God, why is it that, that I, want, I get so aggravated when I'm distracted in what I'm doing? Why do I want to give up on my calling at times and just deliver the mail? God, why can't I be satisfied with all that I have and not think about what I don't have? Does that sound like you this morning? You know what makes it even worse is when we begin to say things like this, and I have said these things, some of these even this week. God, why does my heart seem so cold towards you many days? Why do I find it hard to trust your plan? Why is it so hard to obey your will? Sometimes, God, I wonder, do I even love you? Does it sound like you this morning? Have you ever been in that place? I want you to listen to me. If there's anything that I know about God, and I had to repeat this last night, this morning, If there's anything that I know about God, this is what I know. God is an expert at responding to desperate self-despair. God is an expert at responding to desperate self-despair. And he promises not to despise the contrite and the broken. And so as Paul says, church, listen to me. So should we. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're wondering, why is it so hard to love Jesus today? These constant and continual struggles are being used by God to grow our appreciation of grace. These constant and continual struggles that you're experiencing are used by God to grow our appreciation of grace. Isn't that where Paul lands here at the end of chapter seven? Isn't that where Paul ends here at the end of Romans chapter seven? I used to listen to this pastor every Sunday night as my dad would go to church. We'd go to Sunday night church together and the time that we would drive to church, there would be this one pastor, his name is Tony Evans out of Dallas, Texas. And he would say, when you walk into a house, you can always tell the difference between a law dog and a grace dog. A law dog, he says, is one that always has his tail tucked between his legs. He's always intimidated by his master. He's afraid when his master comes home. He's afraid his master's going to say, you better do this or I'm going to spank you. The law dog is a miserable dog, he said, but a grace dog. When a master comes home, a grace dog's tail is wagging. Why? Because there's a relationship there. God wants grace dogs, not law dogs. Pastor, how do we experience and apply this grace that God is teaching us this morning? Can I say to you, every morning, as early in the day as possible, we need to turn the light of Romans chapter 8 on. We need to turn the light of Romans chapter 8 on to every part and every room and every dark place in our hearts as often and as aggressively as we possibly can. And it has to happen every day. It has to happen every day. Why? Because we're still waiting for glory. We're still waiting for glory. And while we're waiting on this side of heaven, there's still improvement that needs to be made. But some people... Some people think, you know what, I'm fully sanctified now. I'm fully, I'm fully grown. It's possible for me to achieve perfection in my pursuit of God. And I want to say to you this morning, you better be careful of those people because they've got a long ways to go. They just won't admit it. But as long as you stay in Romans chapter 7, you're going to live a life like 
you're running a three-legged race in quicksand. But you turn to Romans chapter 8. You turn to Romans chapter 8, it's like walking on water. The problem of Romans chapter 7 is only overcome by the solution of Romans chapter 8. The problem of Romans chapter 7 is a tendency that, that, that has a tendency to happen and surface every single day. And so we need this gospel tune-up every single day. We're not just following Jesus daily. We're re-following Jesus every single day. We've got this constant alignment problem. You got a car that's out of alignment? You know how that is? We've got this constant alignment problem. It's only going to get fixed when we stand before Jesus. There's going to be some days where we're on roads that will make it seem less uh, noticeable than others, but we've got this constant alignment problem. And here's where we typically go. We'll turn to things like the self-help industry. The self-help industry, by the way, I don't know if you know this, is, is larger and grosses more income every single year than Major League Baseball. Did you know that? You know the reason why there are thousands of self-help books published every single year? Because they don't work. <laughs> we keep looking to self-help book for more and more answers. The reality is our souls are troubled. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're, if you're struggling today, why is it so hard to follow God? Our souls are deeply troubled. And for the person whose soul is troubled, if you're not desperately trying to figure it out, I want to warn you, there's a bridge out up ahead. Our souls need to be tended to daily. Most people don't do this. Most people will never come to this point. Every day, our souls are whispering to us, I need attention. Listen to me. I need a tune-up. I need attention. Every day, our souls are whispering to us, and every day, we drown them out with, and I'm guilty, social media. We drown them out with Netflix. We drown out this whisper that our soul is speaking to us, and we drown out the sound of a troubled engine every day. And the soul at times can be like this expensive sports car engine. It needs attention. It needs to be tuned up. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, our souls slip out of gear from Romans chapter 8 back to Romans chapter 7. And we have to bring Romans chapter 8 to bear on our souls in those times. And this activity is known by several different names. Preaching the gospel to ourselves gospelizing ourselves, gospel-centering our lives. Listen, though, for some Christians, this seems way too easy. It seems like way too easy of a solution. The reality is most of us won't. Most of us don't do it because it's just too hard to admit. I've got a challenge and I've got a struggle that God can take care of and I can't actually take care of it myself, but our souls. Our souls need the gospel poured into them every single day. As followers of Jesus, we're daily trying to uncover the places in our lives that we've covered. Daily trying to uncover the places in our lives that we've not surrendered to Jesus. The, the stubborn places in our hearts that we want to hide and we want to protect. And those are the places we want to ask God very humbly to help us in this activity. Repeated day by day, every day, this turning and returning 
is what reorients our lives around Jesus. And that's what he wants us to do. If you don't maintain your soul this way, the weeds become so overgrown. It's got the potential to seem like you'll never find your way out. Several years ago, I took my family on vacation to South Florida, sort of away from the crowds in this place called Marco Island. And we rented a boat one day. We were told at the marina that there's this little inlet that the end of it ends at the mouth. It's, the mouth of it ends near the ocean. It just feeds into the ocean. But you get to this part right before the end, it's a fast moving current. It's very deep in the middle and it's very wide across. But if you get to the end of it, there's this place where you can park your boat. And, and if you, when you get there, you gotta anchor your boat because the current is moving so fast. If you don't anchor it down, the boat will drift away. And so we got to this place and I, uh, I was pretty nervous about it, but we got there and we sort of ran it up onto the shore and threw the anchor out. And then you could get out and go across the little island and experience the beach together. And it was just beautiful. And so we did that. We came back to the boat <laughs> and we got to the boat. Thankfully it wasn't ours, but we noticed there was another boat that had drifted down the inland. And along this fast moving current, it had, it had come to rest on the other side of the inlet a long ways across. It would be absolutely impossible to swim across, be impossible to go from this side to that side to get to it. The reason, because the boat had not been anchored properly. Listen, if you're struggling this morning, if you don't anchor your soul in Christ, you're gonna drift so far away. You're gonna drift so far away, it's gonna seem like it's impossible to get back to that place. And I wanna to say to you this morning, the soul is too complicated. The soul is too complicated that just give it a spiritual pep talk every now and then. Your soul will respond better in here based on how you care for it out there. Now, I've got a lot more to say about caring for your soul next week. But let me end with this promise of God today. It's my life verse. It's a verse that I anchor myself to in weeks like this week. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Are you struggling to follow God today? It's like a new set of clothes each day. I wanna encourage you to lay Lamentations chapter three, this promise of God on your soul today. And then tomorrow, and then the next day, and then the day after, your soul needs to be tended to. And if you're struggling today, it's not gonna come back overnight. If you've been struggling for a long time, it's not gonna come back to life Overnight, But can I say to you this morning, don't give up. Don't give up because God hasn't given up on you. You know how I know? Jesus proved it on the cross. He's not given up on you. And he specializes in desperate self-despair. 
and he can meet you today right where you are. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Honestly, it doesn't matter who's around you right now, the right to the left, the back to the front. Are you struggling to follow God? Are you finding it hard to follow him? Honestly, are you really struggling this morning? It doesn't matter who's around you. Can I pray for you this morning? Will you do me a favor? I just, in humble dependence on Jesus with nobody looking around, are you struggling to follow God? If so, I want to pray. Would you just lift your hand? Nobody looking around. Are you struggling? Anybody? Praise God. Thank you for your honesty this morning. I raise my hand with you today. Are you struggling to follow God? I want to pray for you. Jesus. God, you know the challenge and the difficulty that we walk through daily. God, you know that Romans chapter 7 has a tendency to make itself evident, to surface every day. God, this morning, we want to rest in Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, this morning, would you remind those who have placed their faith in you, God, that their struggle is temporary, it's not permanent, and now there is no condemnation. Jesus, by the Spirit of the living God, would you bring encouragement today? Remind them you've not given up on them, and the brutal cross proves it. God, this morning, for those who have never trusted their life to you, Jesus, I pray this would be a morning where they have an honest conversation with you, acknowledge their sin before you, confess their sin, confess that they need to be saved today. God, may this be a place where this happens every single week. Humble dependence on you. Lord, we love you. May this week be a week where we experience the joy, the beauty, the strength of Romans chapter 8. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.